0: This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Good evening, everyone. Uh, to begin, I'd love two volunteers. I want to start by actually just sharing a story from the Scripture. So we're going to be looking at conflicts tonight, and I want to look at a particular conflict that happens between uh, these two gentlemen uh, in the Old Testament. This is in 1 Samuel 25. You can read it when you go home. So... David over here is the king in waiting, not yet king, because Saul is still alive. Uh, So poor David, uh, out in the wilderness with your 600 best buddies, Um, you're actually in the desert at the moment, trying to survive for your life, uh, honor God, and and do the right thing, um, and you know, you're very well aware of Nabal because you're kind of camped out near his place um, and you see his servants come through all the time and you leave him alone, you don't raid his lands, you're doing the right thing, you're honourable, thank you. Uh, now, Nabal, you're aware that David and his mighty men are out, are out there because obviously your servants are touching base with them all the time. But at the moment, feel free to face forward, uh, you guys coexist but you haven't made contact yet and at the moment, is there any conflict between these two people? No, praise the Lord, isn't that amazing? So, the story goes like this. David, starting to get a bit hungry out there. Very well aware that Nabal is loaded, we might say. And it comes time to shearing, which means there's all these extra workers on the property, so there's going to be all this extra food prepared, and it's coming up to festival time, so kind of think Christmas. And David's like, you know what? Why don't we just go and ask? Why don't we go ask the wealthy man, hey, do you reckon you could hook us up? Bit of Jewish hospitality, Feed my crew, all right, that's pretty nice, you dress up your servants, you send them as politely as possible, now, do you think this is a bad thing to do? Maybe, maybe not, morally neutral, uh, maybe David's overstepping a bit here, maybe this is a bit presumptuous, uh, maybe he's just really hangry, uh, kind of actually got that, got those hunger pains, and so, so the servants, so you can turn your face now towards Nabal, just, just your face at this point, just your face, all right. So, the servant's going to come over here and they're going to ask Nabal, hey, buddy, can you feed David and his crew? Now, a little bit of backstory. Nabal has some history, got some character things. There's some stuff in the past, there's some ways of living that that this is really triggering for him. Can you give me your best I'm triggered reaction? (laughs) Biblical theological and accurate. And so Nabal just says to these servants, no way. Who do you think you are? Who do you even serve, David? You're not a king. You're not serving a king. You're out there with all these people. This is a disgrace. No, no way. And partly, is Nabal justified in this response? Mm, I mean, it's not very nice, quite rude, not very hospitable, but can you imagine feeding 600 young warriors who've been roaming around the desert for a while. Like, that is an expensive undertaking. So, look, probably an overreaction, not a very nice and gracious reaction, maybe justified, we don't know. But now, what do we have? We've got some conflict. We've got some conflict. Now, if Nabal at this point had just said, you know what, I'm actually going to politely decline your offer, really so stoked what you're doing out there, but I just can't afford it right now. Bless you. Uh, We're going to leave you alone. Maybe the conflict wouldn't have escalated. In fact, maybe no conflict would have happened. But now we're into this back and forward. We're reacting. So Nabal's reacted to David. Now David is going to react to Nabal. So I want you to get your, like, mad. I'm angry. I'm, like, losing the plot. I'm flipping my lid. (laughs) Uh, you'll be a drama class is going to be our next short course. No, um, no, what actually happens, so what happens in the scriptures is that David says, right boys, strap your swords on, we're going to see Nabal. And so David storms there. It's an incredible overreaction. He's gone from like zero to 100 in like a split second. Uh, and then along the way, he says this. Can you imagine these words coming out of King well, soon-to-be King David's mouth? May God deal with me ever so severely if I don't kill every male of Nabal's household by morning. Rough. Right, to this point in the Scriptures, David is honourable. Yes, he's been engaged in some conflicts, and yes, he's certainly been known to some violence, but it's been God-honoured and God-directed. This is just... You're hungry, mate. You're hungry. Have a Snickers. Uh, um, We we can't actually have Snickers in here because it's peanuts, but Mars, next best thing. So... Uh, And then, so, obviously, in this moment, there's going to be an absolute mess, there's going to be a catastrophic meltdown, and a beautiful, intelligent, prophetic lady by the name of Abigail steps in as David is on his way to do absolute, literal murder, calms the whole scene. Can we thank these people? Thank you for indulging my... Conflict. We're talking conflict tonight. Uh, and it's so fascinating um, and interesting to think about the ways that we get into conflict. Uh, there can be misunderstandings, uh, could, things can be coming from a good place, they can be misinterpreted, things can escalate, we can respond in the moment, emotions can be high, and pff, things just can get out of control and blow up so quickly. And the reality is, of course, if you read this book, that what we've just enacted so faithfully to the scriptures <laughs> is not an isolated incident. But this book is filled with the chronicles of the human condition and our ability and our desire to fight with each other and to create conflict and to escalate conflict. From the very opening pages of our scriptures, we see a husband and wife starting to play the blame game with each other, their kids' um, hate and violence in their hearts. We see even key leaders in the early church, like Paul and Peter, got to go separate and go on to different missionary journeys because they have such a sharp disagreement. Even in churches, yes, even in churches, there was conflict present. And by the time you read Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, some of that conflict had got so intense that they were suing each other. And they were literally taking each other to court. That's how brutal the kind of conflict has got. And he writes to the church in Corinth. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. And he says, I hear that some of you have lawsuits against one another. How dare you take that before the pagan court, before you've dealt with it as believers, before you've dealt with it as Christians and brought it before the church? What do we learn from a quick read of the Scripture. Well, this is going to be an encouraging message tonight. Conflict is a normal, to-be-expected part of life. Conflict's normal. It's to-be-expected. And for me, I actually find this quite empowering, this thought, uh, and even, dare I say it, kind of encouraging... Because it means that when I do find myself in in a conflict where maybe we've had a disagreement with somebody, someone's hurt me or I've misinterpreted some words, maybe I've been the one that caused the conflict, when I find myself bumping up and experiencing conflict, I, I don't need to feel like, oh my goodness, my whole world is turned upside down, something's wrong, I should be ashamed about this, I need to be anxious about this. It's actually just a normal, everyday fact of life, people dealing with people that we will experience conflict. And so what is important, just like temptation, all of us will experience temptation, is how we what to it? Respond to it. Thank you, Alice. How we respond to it. How we actually work through it. And for us, this is actually a discipleship issue, because it comes from our heart. It's part of our Christian distinctiveness. We look different to the world, and we look more like the one that we follow, Jesus, when we engage in conflict as believers. With Christian values, we don't do conflict like the world does. We allow our love for God, our experience of God, to overflow into the ways that we navigate and respond and journey through interpersonal conflict together. Is this making sense so far? Jesus said this, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now when he said this in his most famous sermon, was he talking about those people who journey through life and don't get into conflict with other people? No, conflict is a normal everyday experience for all human people. He's talking about those who actually journey with others well, and instead of allowing conflict to escalate, actually reconcile and get restored Uh, and experience peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. There's something about their father that is reflected in their life and the way that they live. Uh, Well, during the week, I shared a a survey uh, online and in our newsletter. Thank you so much for those who participated. Uh, We had about uh, just over 50 responses, which I reckon is pretty solid. So we had over 200 people here today by the looks of uh, this PM. So that's a very representative sample survey size. Uh, And I asked you some of your experiences and feelings towards conflict. And this is what you said. How equipped do you feel to navigate an interpersonal conflict. You're in a disagreement with somebody, maybe someone's hurt you, maybe you've hurt them, whatever it is, you find yourself needing to navigate interpersonal conflict. How equipped do you feel? Uh, And a substantial portion of our church feel a lot or a great deal, feel like, yep, I've got the resources, I've got the tools, I kind of know what to do in this interpersonal conflict, and then you add a moderate amount in there, and you're talking like three quarters of our church, have a really good sense of when I find myself in conflict, I actually know what to do, and I know how to navigate it. And I followed up with a question, well, how do you feel when you find yourself in conflict? I know that would be a rarity for a lot of you, because you're so lovely, but on the odd occasion that you find yourself in conflict, how does being in conflict with another person make you feel? Does that answer surprise anybody? You're allowed to talk in church. (laughs) It didn't surprise me at all. When I find myself in conflict with another person, particularly an ongoing conflict, and I walk into a room where I know they're going to be, I feel it here. I feel a tightening here. I feel my defenses go up. I feel my radar being like scanning the room. Where are they in the room? I don't want to accidentally bump into them and have to continue this conversation. Anxious and stressed. So even though we kind of feel equipped, even though we kind of know what to do to navigate conflict well with other people, when we are actually in it and experiencing it, man, does it sting. Man, does it hurt. We feel anxious and we feel stressed about it. What I'd love to do tonight is actually reframe that experience. Instead of it being an anxiety, stress field inducing experience, to actually start to see it as an opportunity. So there's a great organisation called PeaceWise. They're uh, Christians. They're talking to Christians about how to navigate conflict well based on biblical values. And their encouragement is to see um, peacemaking as an opportunity to glorify God, to serve others, and to grow to be like Christ. We all experience conflict. We'll all get in these spaces. So instead of just allowing us to kind of freeze up because we feel so anxious and stressed about the fact that we're in conflict to actually go, hang on a minute, I'm here, this is normal. What does it look like for me to be a Christian and journey this well? Well, I'm going to look to glorify God, I'm going to look to serve the other person, because that's what Christ has modelled to us, I'm actually looking to grow in Christ's likeness, that my character will be revealed as I journey through this conflict. Is that making sense? If anyone wants to count how many times I say that today, you're welcome to. I think we're up to four. I'm going for about 15, just so you know. So I'd like to talk tonight, how to fight like a Christian. How do we fight like a Christian? Well, the first thing, and I think this is a really important thing, is that we actually want to go to God. We don't want to find ourselves in the place of David and Nabal just reacting in the moment, reacting from our hunger, reacting from our uh, greed, uh, kind of allowing our emotions to take over our, and our responses to escalate the conflict. Um, it's been my experience of journeying with people that, that most conflict is actually about responses to conflict more so than the underlying issue. King David and his men were next to a wealthy dude They were hungry. They asked, could I have some food? That shouldn't result in murder, right? But the responses and the heat of that just kind of kept raising up. So as believers, I think the first thing that we actually need to do is go to God, uh, to actually go to him instead of reacting in the moment, to actually pray and invite God into the space. And I don't know if you've ever done this, where you've actually stopped to pray and it's changed everything. But that's certainly been my experience. It's been my experience where I've been in conflict with somebody and the very act of praying has removed all of the emotional heat and all of my anxiety and all of my stress. Uh, there were still some things we needed to do to journey together well, but actually to lay it before God invites God into the space and allows me to respond to that person and to conflict in a God-honoring, mindful of his goodness and his mercy, way. You know, in that survey uh, during the week, I asked um, some really great questions, I think. Sorry, that was really, that came out wrong. (laughs) I asked some questions. I asked some questions. And I asked this question, in a few words, highlight what difference your faith makes in the way that you handle interpersonal conflict. So this is, um, next slide, some NVBCN's wisdom about what it means to handle and to journey through conflict because we are known by God, and because we know God. And this is what you, or one in four of you said. Why I pray about it, and I ask God to help find resolution. Another answer, with greater grace, compassion, and understanding, because of my faith in God. Someone was very honest, and they said that their faith makes a difference because it stops them belting somebody. Um, They went on to say, it actually helps me to take the time out, to write things down, to pray and to meditate on the situation. Another person, forgiveness really helps me deal with my own hurt. I can rest knowing that God sees our actions and our thoughts. Another person, prayer helps me work things through better. Another answer, yes, I struggle, but I'm likely to forgive because I'm always trying to think, what would Jesus do? Another answer, I actually get to experience the peace of God in the midst of the conflict. Another answer, I spend time with God first and I seek him on the best way to act or to react to the person that's caused offence or harm. Another person, I seek understanding from the Bible and think, what would Jesus do? Another person, trying to see people how Jesus sees them. Another person, instead of following my natural tendency to look after number one and demand my rights, I try to follow God's way to humble myself sufficiently, to care about the other person. Ask for guidance, prayer always helps, prayer, prayer, seek God first. That's what this community, this faith family thinks that working through conflict as a Christian looks like. That's been your experience. That's been the difference that knowing Jesus makes in the ways that you respond interpersonally to others. And all I want to say to that is, amen. Amen. Let's keep doing this. Let's keep putting this first. Let's actually prioritize this. Let's protect this reaction in our hearts. Because in the moment, Jesus, it's really hard, isn't it? In the moment, you're hungry, you're frustrated, you've been offended by Nabal's reaction, and you want to escalate it. You want to respond. You want to get defensive or, or go on the uh, aggression. But to actually stop and go to God first game-changer, and I think it's what God calls us into and invites us into in the ways that we see, hear, and experience and respond to conflict in our lives. How do you fight like a Christian? Well, you first, you go to God. Then you do something even scarier. You start with yourself. I'm not going to attempt to hula hoop. <laughs> This is what you do in conflict. Start there. We've gone to God, we're now going to start here before we even get to the other person that's in conflict. Now this is scary. This is humbling. But this is really, really, really important. Jesus again, I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, you leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So this is Jesus teaching, saying you're going to go into the temple. You're going to go and offer an offering of worship to God, an offering of sacrifice, this beautiful moment between you and God. And as you're going up there, you remember, ah, there is that unresolved conflict in my life. Jesus says, stop what you're doing and go be reconciled. Now, who is the initiating agent according to Jesus? Again, you can talk in church. Who's the initiating agent? Who has to go and do something? Me, yeah, me. I'm at the altar, I'm bringing my gift, I remember somebody has something against me, and so what do I do? Pray that they come to me? No, Jesus says you stop what you're doing and you go to them. He starts with you. It gets even deeper in uh, Matthew chapter seven. where He says, well, Why don't you look at the speck? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, Let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will be able to clearly see enough to r- remove the speck from your brother's eye. So I like to think of it like this. This is my tendency, maybe it's your tendency, when it comes to resolving conflict with somebody else. I'm staying very much in the circle, but this is what I sometimes do. So you and I, we've had a bit of biff, we've had a bit of an argument. Oh, I shouldn't pick on you, Mikey, but you're, just, you're right there. You're right there. We've had... He, geez, he offended me, I tell you what. But I want to make it right. I, I don't want to go and hide from the conflict. I don't want to ignore it. I'm not going to be one of those people. We're going to work through it together. So I'm going to meet up with Mikey, all right? And, I'm going to, and we're, we're going to journey it. But look, I've got some documentation, okay? I've got some... Um, yeah, these are the ways that he's, he's really hurt me and he's really, really offended me. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring that to our meeting. I'm going to make sure I bring it up and I'm going to make sure I painstakingly go through it so that he understands what he's done wrong, okay? But actually, as I've thought about it, He's really hurt me. So I want to actually just put on the table all the ways that it's hurt me and the ways that I feel that he's really wronged me and the effect that it's had on me. As I've thought about it, I'm like, you know what, there's some evidence that I have actually on your past behaviour and the way that's probably fed into the ways that you've wronged me now. And actually, as I recall it, didn't last year you do something similar to me and say something? Didn't we have this conversation? And we kind of want to do this. And then we go, well, hang on a minute. This is a conflict between two people. Like, I know that I've contributed to this conflict as well, so I'd better bring that to the table um, as well. There we go. I was hangry. There we go. Let's work it out together. (laughs) Jesus says, no, 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 no. What you want to do is you want to do this. You want to take the plank out of your own eye before you go and talk about one thing that somebody else has done to wrong you. Does that make sense? I think it does. Many, many years ago, in a galaxy far, far away, in another life I lived, I got involved in a very, very serious conflict. Uh, The conflict was not between me and somebody else. It was between uh, other people in my church, but by the nature of my role in that church, I was swept up and I was caught up into that conflict. Uh, So much so that we actually had to get the Peacewise crew in to do some mediating and help navigate us uh, through the conflict. And I remember them talking about this principle, that we go to God and then we start with ourselves And I got to take away these reflections that I had to actually prayerfully think through and work through that examined not the conflict, not the other people in the conflict, but it started by examining my heart and my attitudes and my actions towards another person. And it was confronting and it was challenging, but it was so fruitful and freeing. As I was actually lay down some of My anger, some of my assuming the worst of other people, and actually repent of that and actually get right in here and get right here before I got right here. In conflict, I encourage you to go to God first, but then actually spend the time. How did I contribute to the conflict? And am I harboring unchrist like things in my heart towards another person? And you can think in that as well as, well, what is some of my default conflict styles? And how does that play into the way that I will helpfully work through this? Does that make sense? No. You should say yes, or I'll go back and I'll repeat everything I've said so far. Is anyone familiar with their own conflict style? There's uh, five conflict styles that um, two psychologists put together about 50 years ago, and it's been around and around and around. Uh, it is 50 years ago now. Um, and so we've got that one on the screen as well. Well, there is, um, um, there is uh, yeah, absolutely some conflict styles. Yes, and I asked you this question. So uh, avoiding, competing, confronting, accommodating, compromising, and collaborating. So I would love it just because um, to whether you can actually... <laughs> to think through this. Uh, so um, maybe you're familiar with this. When you're in conflict with someone, this is about a default style. This is not saying this is what you always do. And it's not saying you can't do this uh, as healthfully uh, at different points in time. But for some of us, we're avoiders. When we get in contact and uh, conflict with other people, we want to avoid the conflict at all costs. We want to ignore the conflict, perhaps even avoid the person altogether so that we don't feel like we're in conflict. That's our kind of way of dealing with conflict. So if you're an avoider, I'm going to hit send you uh, over into that corner in a minute. Uh, On the very other spectrum, there are those who are kind of competitors and and, uh, confronters. So these are those people that when they get into conflict, they're really passionate about making sure that the thing that they believe is the way forward is the thing that actually happens, uh, and they try and stand firm on what they believe is the best way to handle the situation. Then there are those who accommodate, they just kind of go, whatever you want, whatever you want, I just want to end this conflict as quickly as possible, if it means me giving up my rights and you getting your way, I'm totally down with that, let's just make it happen so that this conflict can stop. They're accommodators, okay? And then there are those who are compromisers, they're the kind of people who go, you know what, we've got this conflict, let's meet in the middle. What can we do to meet in the middle so that this conflict can be resolved and done and we can move forward? And then there's a fifth uh, group that are collaborators who just want to get everybody in the room and talk about their wants and their needs and be like, come on, we can come up with a creative solution where everybody wins. So what I'd love you to do... No, it's going to be more interesting if we follow this one. So if you find yourself as a competitor by default, do you want to head over there? If you are a collaborator by default, do you want to head over there? If you're a turtle, back corner you're an avoider you're an avoider head into the chairs room that's probably a good way to hide place to hide from conflicts. if you're a teddy bear uh, head over there uh, that's where people kind of hang out and if you're a, you're a fox you're one of those compromising people do you want to stand uh, near where those cameras are we're actually going to do this we're going to do this youth group style you've got to commit what is your default conflict style Awesome. Now thank you everyone for, for, for participating in that. <laughs> uh, this is really important. This is important to understand. We each have different default conflict styles. We will handle conflict differently, and so the way that we experience, have to work through conflict with each other uh, can be different. This is part, I think, of starting with us, is actually understanding the way that we are in relationship with others, our default styles, and how that can actually come across. So I'd love to actually try, uh, try attempting this. Um, to our sharks, to our competitors, I just want to affirm how strong and firm you are in what you believe uh, is right. I think that's a really good thing about about having that conflict style. You're passionate about what you believe in, but please be careful, obviously, that you can be experienced at times as being railroading a little bit and maybe not being as aware uh, of other people's uh, points of view uh, as well. So great that you've got such firm convictions, but be mindful of the way that can be experienced in relationships. To our turtles over here, Um, I love that you love people so much, that you hate conflict, that you don't want to experience conflict, that you want unity and peace as much as possible. But you do need to be aware, and you know it, don't you, that conflict doesn't get resolved if it's avoided. So just be mindful. I love that you love people, but sometimes you do actually need to have that conversation in order to be able to journey to the other side of conflict to our foxes in the middle, to our compromises. I love that you're just like the shortest way to get through this conflict is just let's meet in the middle and let's just decide and let's move on. And I love that you're humble enough to go unprepared to sacrifice some stuff. But there is perhaps, and this is the, this is the be aware of, you can... Try and expedite the process so much that you don't do some of that deeper work that maybe uh, some of the collaborators, their strength can do in terms of being creative to find a win-win situation, not just i I'll lose some stuff, you lose some stuff, and let's move on. Who else we got? Our teddy bears, our accommodators. You guys are humble, aren't you? You've read Philippians 2. Jesus laid down his rights. I'm going to lay down my rights. Praise the Lord. You guys are great. But You matter. You matter. And so be careful and be mindful that you don't just need to give up all things and let other people walk over you. That is the danger in having uh, a teddy bear accommodating style. And to our collaborators uh, in... The left corner as well. I love that you're so thoughtful that you're like, we can come up with a win-win. We can get everybody in the room. We can hear from everybody in the room. Uh, my warning for this one, though, is you can end up focusing on process so much and consensus so much when sometimes what is right is not popular. And what is the right thing to do does put noses out of joint as well. So thank you, everybody, for participating. You may find a seat. Accommodating, avoiding, collaborating, competing, compromising. Um, here's how it turned up on the surveyed responses. Um, of the 50 people that responded uh, to the survey, uh, avoiders, avoiders were the largest representative group in our church. We find ourselves in a disagreement, in a conflict with somebody else. We start vertical. We go to God, we pray to God. Then we start in here. We start in the circle. We look at us. We're aware of our default conflict styles, how others experience us. And then, I think really importantly, and this is where probably you expect to get to, we pursue genuine forgiveness and reconciliation. That's our posture with the other person or persons that we are in conflict with. We're not battling them. We're not trying to defend ourselves against them. If we've spent time with God and we've spent genuine time looking in the mirror hard at our own hearts, then our posture towards that person as believers is then one of love, one of pursuing genuine forgiveness and reconciliation. We want to see the relationship restored. We want to work through the conflict and be on the other side of conflict. I want to stress how important this is. I ask the question, in a few words, describe what damage you have seen come from conflict handled poorly. This church, 50 people sharing their experience, personal experience, of seeing conflict handed poorly. I just want to read some of the responses. What damage have you seen come from conflict handed poorly? Relationship breakdown. Friendships ended. Businesses ended. People leaving church. Families destroyed. Breakdown in communication. Church withdrawal. The need for mediation. Destroyed a thriving ministry. Hurt, anger broken relationships, arguing, people feeling devalued, a loss of confidence and alienation, destroyed relationships, escalated situations and unnecessary hurt, people leaving churches, people leaving a church and sometimes not going anywhere else, persons feeling lost and depressed, people walking away from church and walking away from God, loss of friends, permanent estrangement, family relationships breaking down, unresolved emotions manifesting in other situations, more conflict being created, people hurt. This is the damage that our church has seen from relationships and conflicts handled poorly. I think if we do the hard work with God and with ourselves first, and then genuinely have a posture of pursuing forgiveness and reconciliation with another person, that will be conflict handled healthily, well, given every chance to be resolved and to come to a place of healing and reconciliation and restoration. And the Bible has some very strong language about the lengths that we should go to in order to pursue that. Hebrews 12, make every effort. And when you read through that list, why wouldn't you make every effort to avoid some of those damages? Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. If it is possible, as Romans 12, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. There's a recognition there that that some of that resolution of conflict doesn't depend on you. We don't know how another person will respond, whether they'll even want to engage in a process of conflict resolution. But the Bible says, hang on, the circle's around here, and this is what I'm calling you to. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. And again, in Ephesians chapter 4, bear with one another in love, being humble, gentle, patient, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This is what it looks like to be distinct in the ways that we journey and navigate the conflict that is common and normal and to be expected as we go through life. Let's do it well. Let's do it in love. Let's do it mercifully, humbly, being patient, bearing with one another, making every effort and as far as it depends on us, not allowing conflict to go unresolved or to sour or to escalate. I'm going to pray for your conflicts in just a second, but I do. Um, I think it's important to add this at the end, a final disclaimer. I'm talking about normal everyday conflict here tonight. There's a whole lot of conflicts that we will experience that, aren't, that are not normal And some of what I've explained tonight may not apply to. And the principles in Matthew 18 uh, may not apply to. So a good example was, like, if for some reason you felt that I'd really let you down or I'd caused uh, some level of spiritual abuse um, in your life, it may not be appropriate to follow this and go one-on-one with me. And you may want to follow what we have in place in our church, to go to our elders first instead of coming to me first. And that is perfectly appropriate and healthily and healthy. The same token, there might be all manner of mental health issues that you experience, or the person that you're in conflict that that has harmed you experiences where some of the normal practices um, of scripture, it's really hard to follow, and you're gonna need a whole bunch of wisdom uh, and grace and good people around you to help navigate it too. That's completely appropriate. And of course, there are gonna be cases where some of the conflict is actually around harm, and it's around abuse, and the person that you are in conflict with, to use that language, um, is simply not safe for you to even be near or around, let alone journey conflict through in relationship. So there are a few disclaimers to what I've said tonight. But for the vast majority of us, the conflict that we will experience is normal, everyday stuff. Disagreements, things that came out wrong, things that we misinterpreted, I really wish I didn't say that thing when I was hangry. And it's more rewarding to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship. So let me pray for us. Jesus, we truly do wanna be a faith formed community where the ways that we live and the ways that we interact with each other are deeply shaped by our experience of your love and your mercy and your forgiveness God, would you help us extend those to others? In radical ways of humility and self-sacrifice and love, let us be those who boldly and courageously just journey the normal conflict stuff of life uh, and do so in order for relationships to be reconciled and restored and to move past whatever it was that caused the conflict in the first place. Jesus, I want to pray specifically against escalating conflicts in our lives. Whatever conflicts that we're currently experiencing, whether we've perhaps (laughs) caused the conflict or perhaps the conflict has been caused by another person, doesn't matter, we're in it. But I want to pray for those conflicts right now. God, that you would speak to us, that you would soften our hearts to the others in that conflict and soften their hearts towards us, that we would see the other person as made in your image, radically, perfectly, wonderfully loved by you, a person of, yeah, who's worth so much respect and time. And so we refuse, Lord, to gossip or to slander, to think the worst of somebody, to talk behind their back, to triangulate, to harbour ill will in our hearts towards them. But we choose instead the way of Jesus, the way of love, in all humility, with every plea for wisdom and the right words. Lord, would you help us put into practice the very clear, the very clear and practical and important teachings of Jesus and the New Testament about how we journey together with others we're in conflict with? And as we do, Lord, I pray that the Christian distinctiveness would be so beautiful and so visible that those who don't even know you couldn't help but comment. And we get the opportunity to share the way that we do life and how we live differently because of our love for you. Jesus, would you be pleased, I pray, to unite us as a church in every relationship and together as a collective, that we may be this one body.